Hi, everybody. My name is Mary Ellen, and I am a recovering uh, compulsive overeater. And um, I thank you very much for inviting me to this meeting and to be able um, to share my story with you guys. Um, I think that's how we learn and how we recover is listening to each other's stories and um, and taking uh, principles and strengths that we see working for others and applying it in our life. Um, I, I've known for um, all my life uh, that I, I eat differently than the rest um, of the world around me. And um, I've always wanted to try to eat like other people. Uh, and I used to have a lot of thoughts of if only I could just, um, and you know, you just fill in the blank. I, I, um, that was a real typical thought that would um, run through my head. I've been in OA for um, a little over two years now, um, and this is my home. You guys really understand me. I, I understand your stories. I, I feel it um, down to the fiber, every fiber within me, and um, your pain and your humiliation and your frustration and your successes um, and your, your, your spirituality and your strength have... Um, have been uh, all what I've shared as well, too. Um, I've really found a group of people who understand me and accept me. And, um, you know, initially, uh, well, really, my, my primary involvement with OA has just been through telephone meetings because I live in a pretty rural town in Oregon. Um, and, you know, when I first started listening to meetings, uh, I was able to identify um, pretty easily with what I was hearing, um, on the lines, but to a certain extent, because I think also, you know, w what I would hear in meetings too, was, um, a lot of complaining, um, people going on, um, about their personal problems. And I wasn't hearing much about, um, how they were using the steps to work the steps in their life or how they were using the steps to work through, uh, their problems. But it, overall, I feel like I, uh, I picked up a, a general message of hope. Um, and that's what I've, I've really clung to over the past couple of years, because there's been a lot of relapses for me. Um, but I think what I've really, really started um, my, my true recovery, listen, I started listening to big book meetings, um, big book study meetings. Um, and that's when the, um, the, the light really began to glow um, for me, and I knew uh, um, I was, you know, truly identifying in with what I was hearing. Um, and it's in those meetings that I was able to uh, begin experiencing this greater awareness and um, of <clears throat> the extent of how cunning and baffling my disease is. And also, uh, I began to become more willing to um, achieve entire abstinence because I was hearing other people doing it. And, um, and, and it was through studying the big book. And so, um, you know, for me, it's been more difficult uh, to put down the food than it was to put down alcohol and drugs uh, when I was in rehab and in AA as a, as a teenager. Um, food is, is really deceptive to me. My food behaviors are even more deceptive um, I remember one meeting listening to um, 
someone read from the big book and um, the chapter there is a solution. And I, I just felt really struck cold. I um, mean, it talks about on page 24 that uh, we are unable to, um, at certain times, bring to consciousness with sufficient force the memory of um, that last drink or that last binge. Um, and we are against, def- uh, we are without defense against our first drink. And I just, you know, the coldness that just kind of hit me of, oh my God, I am. I'm so completely defenseless about being able to just picking up that food and putting it in my mouth, even though I know I'm not supposed to, but it's not truly recognizing or understanding. I am a donkey. I am a true addict. I am just like uh, the person shooting up with heroin. I can't recall um, that it's going to do damage to me. I can't recall that I'm going to be angry and humiliated. And that's, uh, that's, that's what a, a true addiction has uh, been that recognition for me is, you know, so that, that fear, when I read that, um, in that chapter in the book book, I, I realized, you know, pretty imme- in, immediately that, um, it's only through a relationship with my higher, with, um, my higher power that I'm going to have that defense, um, against this brain, um, in this brain is home to another entity that lives there. And it's my food addict. Um, I feel like I, you know, I share space with an addict in my head. And so I'm busy, uh, working hard to become, uh, have to have different, uh, thoughts and ideas of, um, that are recovery influenced, but I've always got that food addict that's living it within me. Um, and that is real ready to tell me something different. Um, that it's okay to take a bite of this or to take pinches of that. Or mm, when I open up that food cabinet and I smell the food, um, some sweetness coming out of the cabinet, that's food meant for my kids. You know, my, uh, my, my addict that lives in the brain with me um, can, can be real quick to start talking. And I've noticed that sometimes that talk can be a little bit louder on some days of my life than others. And uh, when that talk is louder, Uh, and more frequent, uh, then I know that there's something going on. And I've heard um, other people call it food chatter. And that has just really made a lot of sense to me. Um, When I'm emotionally or spiritually healthy, I don't really have a lot of food chatter going on. I'm I'm real content sticking to my food plan. Um, And I'm not really very concerned about what, you know, what I'm going to eat. I just want to know that I've got something to fill my tummy up when it gets to be time for me to eat so I don't get cranky. Um, but when the food tatter is going on, um, it's a sign that I need to pray. Uh, I need to go through, uh, one of the first few chapters in the book, big book to remind me of just how cunning and baffling this disease is that lives in my brain. Um, and I need to review my food plan so I can remember exactly what my, uh, foods are that I'm allowed to have, um, because uh, my brain wants to tell me that it's okay to um, have a few extra, you know, have some bites of cheese that's going on the rest of my family's food, but not on my food. Um, and also I need to tell on my disease. I've noticed that, that it's really important for me when that food chatter is happening, um, or I've got some nasty thinking going on. I need to tell on it because the more that um, I expose it to fresh air, um, it, it can't thrive. And so if I tell on it by sharing with someone else in the program or sharing with my sponsor, um, it really helps my uh, disease to, to go back down to it. Not taking up so much space in my head. So some of the relapses that I've had over the past um, two years, 
um, I'd say like my longest abstinent period has been around five months and that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, my relapses though have kind of been relapses of hope, you know, they've never been super exciting. Which is, uh, you know, they, I've never really gotten down with the cake and the ice cream, candy bars or pizza. Um, they've kind of been ridiculous and boring relapses, like eating the rest of the bag of Fritos, which were never really my primary binge foods before. Um, or like making, uh, uh, using heavy whipping cream to make um, whipped cream with, which I've learned over time is that's called um, seeking the seeking the effect and that's a food behavior that I've come to learn about. Um, I, I see my relapses as being like um, an onion and just discovering more about myself and, and my addiction. I'm just peeling back different layers. Um, my first couple of relapses were around the buildup of human emotion. I still hadn't gotten through the, first, the all the way through the 12 steps. Um, my sister said something to me over a text that irritated me and um, it was more like suppressed anger, you know, irritation, but I wouldn't have said it was a resentment. I just felt irritated by it. But little did I know that even um, irritations or suppressed anger um, are really just some, a form of a resentment. Um, and so I didn't have the skill set of practicing a 10th step. And I didn't have the spiritual growth that um, I needed to work through the emotion. And so I ate over it. Um, and, you know, the 10th step has just really been... It's like my magic token. I'm so incredibly grateful for um, the act and the relief that I get from a 10th step, um, particularly the fear of prayer. That's been um, such an, an immediate change for me. Um, you know, so I can either choose to struggle and wrestle with whatever internal conflict that I've got going on um, at that moment in time in the day, um, or I can insert this magic token, I can reach out to someone and I can say, I have a resentment, and it's against my son, and it's because he didn't pay me rent on time, and be able to go through the process of taking a 10th step and say a prayer for him, and then the, the ability to turn around and check myself for where could I possibly be wrong and why I'm feeling that way, and um, man, that's been, been amazing. Um, I, you know, again, I've had another relapse that was um, about... Uh, again, the buildup of human emotion, but I um, really struggled with reaching out. And this is not something that I think uh, is unique to me. Um, I think it's a real commonality that um, I hear from a lot of people who have addictions is that um, I try to shoulder it uh, and manage it by myself. And so it's really uncomfortable to reach out and um, have to call people. Uh, and... Um, but I know it's an essential piece and you know what? I know I welcome people who call me because I know, <laughs> I know that I'm probably going to be able to give them some help. Um, and I don't know why, why this is such a struggle. Um, but I think it's because I've got something else, another tenant that's living inside of my brain um, and lives in my thoughts and tells me I've been wanting to inconvenience you. Uh, the other thing too is that, you know, I've had a handful of sponsors over the past couple of years and, um, they've all pretty much required that I've had to reach out and call, you know, two to three people and ask them to share their experience with me um, with such and such chapter in the big book. And that was really awkward and uncomfortable. But 
when those sponsors um, gave me a list of people that they know that are happy to receive phone calls, it made it a little bit easier. Um, and they reminded me, and I remind myself too, um, is, you know, how willing am I to go to any lengths to be free? You know, and how free, you know, exactly how free do I want to be from, from my disease? Um, however, I would say that, you know, what's really helped to make um, a, a leap in light years for me with this uncomfortableness of reaching out to somebody else to do a 10 step or just to, you know, just to be able to talk is um, this, uh, the smartphone and the apps that are available on the smartphone. And um, I'm hearing all over the place that there's different apps people are using to be able to reach out to others in the program. And um, so that's been uh, it's been a lifesaver. I just really have been rocketed into that fourth dimension uh, because of uh, how easy it is to open up an app and see somebody say, I'm available for experience, strength, and hope for the next 30 minutes. And I can call, I can say, I got a resentment. I need to work a 10 step. I've had relapses um, surrounding, um, getting to really understand what entire abstinent means for me. You know, I was told to identify my red, light, yellow, light, green light foods, and you know, the yellow lights eventually really are our red light foods. And um, but you know, it could be that my ego or my disease is not quite willing to let go of that. And um, you know, I, I've learned things just a year ago that like um, salt, when combined with fat, is a huge trigger for me. It wasn't a binge food before I got into OA, but that's a sign to me too that you know my disease is still progressing. Um, and now that my disease knows I'm not putting sugar in my body, no matter what, even if I, ha if I have a binge it ends up being something boring, like Fritos, you know, it's, it's starting to play on, you know, oh, you're not going to eat sugar over here, but this is what happens when you put salt and fat together. And there I go, I'm eating half a slab of butter. <laughs> um, so my disease is at work. It's progressing. I've also learned about, um, the perspective of seeking the effect lots of people talking about this in the meeting and I'm like okay well I'm not out right now I'm trying to grab a candy bar to seek the effect but so where is it that seeking the effect is at play in my life when I'm in the kitchen and I've learned it was things like um, adding a lot of salt to my food or whipping up um, heavy whipping cream to make myself a whipped cream um, you know something to eat after my dinner well I'm a food addict I don't need to have desserts anymore that's not really um, part of my repertoire and eating something that high fat is not part of my food plan either. So um, that's seeking the effect. I've had relapses around volume. I wasn't going to weigh and measure like you people did. That's y'all got it a lot worse than me. Um, and it took a while. Um, it took a few relapses, <laughs> but then I finally got to the point where uh, I conceded to my innermost self that um, I am uh, completely powerless and I couldn't do it my way anymore I, I really had to do it the way that you guys were suggesting so um, I weigh and measure my food now um, that was me incrementally learning about trying to control my disease and uh, I really don't have uh, the ability to control my disease there's been other foods that I've learned about over time um, but I just kind of want to end um, with that um, some of the food behaviors, um, somebody really spoke to me, you know, talked about how um, I don't get to make decisions about my food because I'm a food junkie. Um, and, you know, that it's, um, 
it's really important for me to know when the end of my meal is going to be. When I sit down and when I eat and when is the end of my meal going to be, or is it going to go on and on um, when I'm putting up the food? Am I still eating? Um, if it's necessary, invite my higher power in to have dinner with me. Um, and the main crucial aspect is to remember that I can be trusted to make food decisions for myself. That's why I have a nutritionist. Uh, that's why I weigh and measure my food. That's why I've got a food plan. And, um, you know, the biggest piece is I can afford to spontaneously eat. There's, I can't be trusted to make healthy decisions about what's okay for me to eat or not eat. My food is planned. There is no spontaneous eating for me because that's where my disease really jumps, uh, jumps up and goes down that slippery slope. Um, and I guess the last piece that I want to end with is that, uh, you know, this is really about my ability to develop my relationship with my higher power. And each time um, I speak and share, each time um, I'm of service to somebody else um, and listening to their 10 steps, each time I take a 10 step or share my 11 step with someone, um, I'm reducing uh, my ego and thinking what I know about life. And I'm inviting higher power in to help show me um, a better way of living. And every morning I'm on my knees and I'm telling higher power, please come into my life because I'm a powerless and I'm a food junkie and I think I know what's right, but uh, I need you to help me through that strange mental blank spot. Yeah, so uh, that's it for me.